Hello, and welcome to the Haiku P podcast, Series 5, Episode 6. I'm Patricia, and my goodness, have I got a lot of super original haiku for you today. First of all, I'd like to read you the poems that our YouTube editor, Linda Ludwig, chose from February's prompt. But three things to remind you of here. The first, to subscribe to our YouTube channel because there's more and more free content on there for you to enjoy at your leisure. Second, have you gone there and written your haiku or senryu in the prompt for March, which Marilyn Ward very kindly sent us? If you don't write your poem, it can't be featured and it won't be in the journal. And last, but definitely not least, did you watch Stanford M. Forrester's presentation on Kerouac? My goodness, it really had a lot of little golden nuggets in it, not least of which was his thought on 575 Haiku. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't listened, and you're really missing out on a treat. Do share it with anyone else who might be interested in Kerouac. Speaking of treats, in this episode, I'll be reading your colour haiku and senryu, and of course, I'm joined by the lovely Karen Harvey, Diana Seleucia, and Matt Snyder as my community judges. They were fabulous. I really enjoyed working with them on this. I hope you enjoy what they have to say, even if you don't agree with them. One last reminder. This month, March 2022, is Hybun month. You have a few days to get your Hybun to me so that M. Shane Pruitt and I can read them and let you know whether your work has been accepted for the journal. Check out the submissions pages for the details. Link, of course, in the show notes. So let's start with Linda's choices from February's Poetry P video prompt on YouTube. There were, of course, many more poems written, so please do go to the YouTube channel and have a look and maybe comment on them. Thank you, Linda. Linda reads every poem and then has the very hard job of whittling them down to a few favourites. So here we are, Linda's chosen poems for February 2022. Plucking the strings of exuberance, rhythmic heartbeats. Paul Callas. Into the stars, pouring their hearts, relief for the day. Ratamani Sama. Dusky road near the city gates, a clamour of music. Ash Evan Lippert. Capturing the Sunset. Crows. Keith Everts. Speaker's Corner. A gang of young guns string a song. Robert Kingston. Robert, that took me back to my teenage years. I think it was Wham, wasn't it? That had a song, Young Guns Go For It. Now let's hear your colour poetry. I was truly gobsmacked when I read through the submissions. It was a bumper month, not just in quality, but in numbers. So my sincere thanks to Vandana Parashar, Lorraine Padden, James Young, Robert Horobin and Ron Craig for giving up some of their valuable spare time to work on the editing team. It was a veritable kaleidoscope. Initially, Brown was my favourite. Who knew? But in the end, it was like being a kid again and chasing rainbows. Every colour was splendid. So thank you for submitting your work. Shall we find out who the first nomination is? So I'm very pleased to welcome a new voice to the podcast, Karen Harvey, another one of our lovely Welsh poets who love the sea. Welcome, Karen. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. We had a few technical difficulties along the way, Karen, but thank you very much for persevering and making it to the finish line. So tell me, which of the poems did you choose and why? Ripe berries, the purpling of her fingertips. Ripe berries, the purpling of her fingertips. Kim Clue. 
on first appearance, it seems like a very uh, simple haiku. It's just seven words, but I felt there was a lot more to it. Someone who was only identified as her is picking ripe berries from a hedgerow, perhaps a garden. And we see it in our mind's eye. Can you see those beautiful ripe berries, possibly blackberries, just ripe for picking? Perhaps they were difficult to reach. There may have been thorns to negotiate. Now our hands are becoming stained by the juice oozing from the berries. I love the word purpling here. Purpling, not just purple, suggesting the gradual deepening of the pigment. Starting out as just blue tinge on the first touch, turning darker as more berries were gathered. Are the hands that are picking them, placing them into a receptacle to take home for later? Or as I imagine, she's popping them in her mouth and savouring that delightful flavour. This poem evokes so many of the senses, the sight, smell, touch, and the taste of summertime. I also like the way that the poem is laid out on the white space. The ellipsis, to me, depicts more than a pause, a break, because there's so many ways to indicate that. But it reminds me of a row of berries along the branch, just waiting to be picked. Did you say, Karen, that there was a poem that it reminded you of? Yes, it made me reminisce about um, a poem called From Blossoms by Lai Young Lee, who was born in Indi Indonesia to Chinese parents. His poem, From Blossoms, is a longer poem, and it's um, singing the delights of eating a ripe peach. And it again has a very human story to it. Yeah, if you could just if you could send me the link to that, then I will put them in the show, put it in the show notes, and people can make the association themselves. Lovely, thank you. And I have to say, Karen, I didn't pick up on the idea of the berries of the ellipses and the berries on the branch when I was reading it. So I was really pleased to, that you pointed that out, and I just love it when you hear another poet talk about poetry. You so often find something that you didn't see in the poem yourself, don't you? My first love was art before I started writing poetry and I still dabble. So the place on the page, the ma, the surrounding white space to me is very important. And although we don't know if the poet intended that effect, that's what I would do if I was writing that poem. I think you've got another topic there for us, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> I will get to it, not this year necessarily, but I will get to it. I tell you what else this poem made me think about. It made me think about specificity, because normally a poem, I think, works best if you're quite specific, quite focused in what you're talking about. But here, Kim has left us to choose what berry we want to imagine it to be. I went with Blackberry, much like you. But I think she was right to do that, to leave it to us for two reasons. One, Putting the colour in the blackberry colour would have been too much for the poem and would have taken away from the, the purpling that you've spoken about. But also, it leaves us the opportunity to use our imagination and to finish the poem off as well. So I thought it's a lovely choice. Thank you very much, Karen. Thank you. Now let's continue with more colourful poetry. Purple crocuses. And that's all I remember. Tony Williams. She drops purple paint on watercolour paper. A wild crocus blooms. Laurie Kiefer. Birthday girl walks her purple bicycle to bed. Jeff Pope. Bluebirds in the pokeweed. Purple poop. Eve Castle Grape Clusters The Deeper Purple of the Old Giraffe's Tongue Lisa Collins Fields of Purple My Tinnitus Overshadows the Bees Reed Hepworth Evening Drizzle Magenta Neon Lights 
on the asphalt. Daniela Miso Patchwork Sky All the Different Blues I Feel by Sali Chatterjee Dutt Favourite Jeans The Many Shades of Blue Winter Sky Christina Chin Little Boy Blue A postpartum pillow bigger than the baby Valentina Rinaldi Adams Blue Days Mam pours what-ifs from her teapot Adele Evershed Mist Light Dawn A Kingfisher's Bolt of Blue Jumpstarts My Heart John Hawkhead Morning Cold A Blue Fox Watches Me From the Child's Bed Alex Fife Peeking through the blue door That deep silence Angela Terry Blue Jay An orphan child finds comfort in a close-knit family Paul Callas Blue Snow She asks if the night is leaking. Sandra St. Laurent. On the sidewalk, a blue shovel lies in snow. No one around. Steve Arlem. Hydrangea. She knows her flowers, but not the word blue. Dorothy Burrows. Spring morning, potholes filled with blue sky. Liam Maguire. The American Dream, a soldier paints her toes ultramarine. M. R. Diefenbell. Winter Solstice, the printer runs low on cyan. Brad Bennett Saturated sky seeping into inner space beyond indigo Kim Russell Slicing a peach The colour of my cancer ribbon Jason Furtak Tangerine sky the lingering song of a migratory bird, Hifsa Ashraf. Lentil curry, all our fingertips stained with turmeric. Joshua Gage. Orange life jackets floating on the calm sea. Nothing else. Natalia Kuznetsova. Midnight Sun, The New Bride in Orange Sindor, Devashruti Mandal, Crimson Hat Bouncing Just Out of Reach in the Vast White, Sarah Mahina Caveo, Old Growth Forest Fluttering on Pin Oaks, Scarlet Leaves. Doris Lynch. Her rosy cheeks in the glow of a bummed cigarette. D.V. Rosich. Jumping out of the dark in a lightning flash. Red roses. Charles Harmon. Red dusk, the smoothness of his trigger finger. Bruce H. Feingold Together, touched by snow, two red berries, Richard Sharma At the cemetery gate, the red in her eyes, Giddy Nielsen Sweep
She marks his poem with red ink, crushed rose petals. Sangeeta Kalarikal A big red X on white paper, third grade. Hildegard Bachmann Clean sweep, the broom by the door, reddened in her taillights. Robert Whitmer This pearl alone on the russet lip of rock, days after rain. Deborah A. Bennett Morning breeze, she turns her nose to the red roses. Bona M. Santos I rue my red shirt. The bull's eye follows me. Tracy Davidson Dragonfly, her blush getting redder by the minute. Joe Sebastian Red roses in a litter bin. Passing train. Mira Raim Pressed in my travel journal, one long red leaf. Kath Abella Wilson Red Spot A Girl Paints Adolescence Rose Outside my window already there are red leaves. First day of summer. Robert Beveridge. Tired of arguing, we contemplate the red. Harvest moon. Sarah Paris. Silent lake. The marsh littered. Shotgun shell red. Richard L. Matter. Morning fog. In the dim light, shiny red apples. Marie Morrissey Cummins Even the shadows in a different shade. Crimson sunrise. Mirella Brelian Before we go on to hear more scrumptious colours, let me just take a minute to say thank you for my coffees. It really does help with the cost of running the podcast. And there are so many things I have to pay for, like podcast hosting or the website, boring stuff like that. But the latest was my teleprompter, and I'm happy to tell you that I can now buy one. That's going to be a relief for my brain, I can tell you. So thank you for all the coffees you've bought me in January and February. Ian Speed. Sandra St. Laurent, Jason Furtak, Ron Craig, Sally Bigger, Linda Ludwig, Nira Cashup, Eve Castle, Reed Hepworth, Anne Smith, Debbie Olson, and Ian Richardson. Really, that was terribly kind of you. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Let me dedicate the yellows to you. Even as leaves turn golden, the urge to dance in late summer rain. Wendy Ghent Ginkgo reflect on these rocks. Golden bones. Ronald K. Craig Gold bands fade into the paintwork. Autumn sunrise. Femi Akinyele Call to prayer, golden light vibrates off a gong. Che Friedenberg Colour therapy, the bright yellow hello of a winter rose. Mimi Ahern A yellow leaf through the lamplight, late for dinner. Tyler McIntosh Yellow pants and shirt, she looks like a banana. Dad's 
in the doghouse. Loretta Potts Yellow gourds, the sun shines in my neighbour's garden. Mona Betty Sipping turmeric tea, grey curtains catch the wind. Erica E. Benson Twilight Lane, each corner glows with yellow crocus. Marilyn Ward Picking up a yellowed paperback, Aspen Trees. Marielle Herbert Sunflower Field Cars stopping for selfies with yellow blooms. Rob McKinnon Evening Market The green papaya now has shades of yellow. Minal Sarosh Page by page, the green river darkening imperceptibly. Ash Evan Lippert Footsteps in the snow. Green shoots. Paul Miller Spring green, you discover my bare breasts again. Isabella Kramer Green meadow wrapped in the wind, dandelion. Angiola Inglese Safari tents hug white-capped Kilimanjaro's jade-fat hips. Dennis Malsby Greening fields, a four-lane highway, narrows to two. Richard Tice Winter rain, my fingers brush the greener moss. Keith Evitz Green grass, some would say, I'm better off here. Robert Kingston A green depth to the glen's fragrance. Marsh mist. Christopher Chupp. At summer's end, green tomatoes. Heating the frying pan. Kathleen Tice. Dawn Chorus. The green held within birdsong. Joanna Ashwell. More green or more blue, the pool water merges with his eyes. Naja Kostadinova Some wishes remain evergreen. C.X. Turner Tomato plant, green on green, the hornworm. Krista Pandy Green and the engine blades between. Jack Galmitz. First light, I sip birdsong with green tea. Nina Singh. Neon flickers off the scotch bottle. Green book. John S. Green. Now, this poem generated a bit of discussion in the editing team. It's a response to the film Green Book, which, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend. John said that he felt a need to point out the fact that this man, of whom he's talking, had challenges beyond racial prejudice. He was gay and drank in excess. The neon light reflected off the scotch bottle creates a multicoloured rainbow-like image that offers up the depth of this man's personal human condition. Let's hear it again. Neon flickers off the scotch bottle. Green book. Now we come to the second of our nominations for the judge's choice. 
this time introduced by another newbie to the podcast, Diana Salusia. Now, Diana lives in California, but I know you have British ties. What's your connection to Harrogate in North Yorkshire, Diana? Oh, thank you so much for asking and remembering. Um, That's where I grew up and went to school and my parents um, still live there. We have, I have a parent from each, uh, each continent, each country, California and England. Um, and so I go back frequently. It's been a little bit less yeah. frequent during COVID, but yes. And it's a, a town of flowers, actually. It's, it's known for its flowers. And so um, often I think about the flowers that I grew up seeing there when I read um, haiku and poetry about flowers. I am familiar with Yorkshire. I have my in-laws live there. But like you, I haven't been back for a mm-hmm. while you can't, just couldn't get in for a while but hopefully this year I'll get back and maybe when I'm over there I'll nip up and, and have a look around Harrogate it's a beautiful I believe it's a very beautiful sort of Regency town as well it is yes it's very famous for its um, Roman baths and architecture um, and it really is you know internationally renowned for for its horticulture and flowers and um, it took me a long time to recognize the connection with Japan and haiku because there's a very huge, beautiful plantation of cherry trees um, that, of course, all bloom in spring. Um, and visitors and families with Japanese connections and interests, you know, come from all over England and Europe to visit it because it is very, very famous. It's a long walk through the the flowering cherry trees. So, Diana, which poem did you choose? Well, speaking of flowers, I did choose one um, featuring flowers. I chose the poem by Kristen Lindquist, Windflowers, Silver Strands Spring Loose from Her Chignon. Windflowers, Silver Strands Spring Loose from Her Chignon. My attention was captured by the artistry of the single word comprising this poem's first line, windflowers. Its creativity is compelling, drawing the reader in, asking you to conjure up your own visions of what windflowers are or might be. With just this single word, movement is introduced into the poem and the poem is infused with color, for we cannot help but see and feel color when we hear and read the word flowers. I found myself imagining gently swirling flowers and blossoms caught up in a gust of wind, their colors faint but glowing. There's an elusiveness and a delicacy about them and their colors partly because their colors are unnamed and unknown, but also because the reader is aware of the magic held here by windflowers always being uniquely imagined by each unique reader. But while the windflowers are the first things we see in this poem, vying for our attention is the presence of the person near them or among them with her windblown hair escaping from its chignon or bun. The silver strands bring a lingering luminescence. This color word, silver, And the contrast it brought in even offered to me that this was twilight during light spring winds. The choice of the verb spring in the second line conveys the continuation of movement and holds the layered potential of maybe doubling as a kigo or a seasonal word. And spring is very much the season of flowers. There's a lovely sense of flow and flowing, the suggestion that her strands of hair now blowing loose are joining with the flowers in this dance on the wind. There's a quietness that allows us to be transfixed more by the color than by any sounds described, but sound is subtly present too. Throughout, Kristen uses repeating sibilance, the S and sh sounds to bring to our ears the gentle sounds of the wind. I read this many times and because of how open to imaginative interpretation it is, I look forward to sharing it with friends to hear what visions and colors it conjures up for them. Thanks, Diana. Diana, I have to tell you, I was very happy you chose this poem for a couple of reasons. The first one is it gives me an opportunity to tell people that there's a a new Poetry P podcast, Poetry P Readings, which will be out on the website and YouTube on the 25th of March, uh, a once a month podcast, always on the last Wednesday. And it's kicking off with Kristen Lindquist reading to us from It Always Comes Back. And of course, she's having a chat. And I'll mail everybody to let them know when it's published, but please do make sure you're signed up to the mailing on the website. It's very easy to do. 
And the other reason I was happy that you chose this one was that it gave me an, op- well, actually there are three reasons, so I'll do the next one. Gave me an opportunity to talk a little bit about disjunction in our poetry. I don't know about you, Diana, but when you read this one, did it? Did you automatically think windflowers or did you go with wildflowers? I think that was what was so fascinating to me about the poem. And I, I don't feel like I could completely explore that in sort of the 350 word, word limit we had. <laughs> but, yeah, sorry um, about that. <laughs> I, I loved the, um, the amalgamation of the two um, because I sort of felt like even the optical illusion of wild and wind looking so similar to one another, right? And I guess it's a portmanteau, right? It's two words combined to make one. So you sort of see flowers that are wild in the wind, you know, as you look at that word um, all together at once. And I have a little addendum like Karen, it reminded me of another poem that I could talk about, which is not a haiku, but from Yoko Ono, technically a word painting um, called Painting for the Wind. Um, and I can link link that. It's the was the first poem I ever read that really made me connect um, truly with, with haiku and it, how you use a force and, and one kind of artistic element to create another. So, you know, painting through words and the idea that the wind is, is creating the art here, um, kind of independent of the observer and the artist. So I thought that was a really beautiful way that Kristen kind of played with those ideas too. And it was a little reminiscent of, of Yoko Ono's poem and painting technically. Coincidentally, Yoko Ono has a, an exhibition of her work on in Zurich at the moment. So I've been planning to go and see it. Maybe that's part of the exhibition. You never know. So windflowers, wildflowers. I did give me a jolt at the beginning. And I, I said to Kristen, and this is the third reason I was glad you read it out, that I was going to have to do so many takes to get this one right, because I was always going to read wildflowers at the beginning. But then I got thinking about it. And I think this, this is the joy of, of what Kristen's done here. Did she mean windflowers? Did she mean wildflowers? And I thought, well, Kristen knows her stuff. So she probably actually did. And then it got me going to our, our great friend Google to figure out why she chose windflowers. And I discovered that windflowers is a name for anemones. And anemones, I don't know about where you all are, because Diana, it's probably different for you in California, but certainly here in Switzerland, anemones would be a spring or an autumn flower. But I think because of the spring in the second line, I think she she would definitely use that as a Kigo. That's yeah. so interesting because one thing I did not do was I sort of deliberately decided not to Google windflowers <laughs> <laughs> because I sort of wanted to like preserve oh. a little bit my own. No, I think it's really interesting. <laughs> I sort of thought like, I, are they a flower? And then I just thought I would rather kind of preserve my initial image of it a little bit. And then, it, but I'm also so glad to kind of hear that part because like you said, when you hear somebody else's journey through a poem, you learn things that you don't, you hadn't seen or didn't hear or didn't see, you know, so that's really interesting. And, yeah. and to me, anemones are always, I'm not a gardener, anemones are always marine, because <laughs> I live on the, the central coast. So it's a really interesting play of wind, flowers, you know, mm-hmm. tides, anyway. That's an interesting one, because um, Kristen lives close to the coast too, the other side of the country. Maybe there's a connection with that too. Okay, Kristen, if you're listening, (laughs) we need more information. (laughs) Cool. Thank you very much, Diana. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic, Diana. Thank you. The silver shimmer of sweet bay magnolia leaves. Moving day. Matt Snyder. A silver line. What is within flows outside. Amrutha Prabhu. Silverfish shadowing my shadow. Herb Tate. Sea smoke rises from icy harbour. I sip Earl Grey. Pam Joy. Old Wound. A grey moon on a frozen pond, near a cash-up. Morning grey scale, the time between the last dark 
and First Light Steve Barr Grey clouds, reeling in the kite, and my son, Anne Alexander Shadows creep along, grey fog ribbons undulate, dying darkness bleeds light. Wayne Kingston Desolate winter, the grey voice of a titmouse. Jackie Chow Seven shades of grey, the rainbow in monochrome. Ravi Kiran Cold grey tiles swallow the grief. Elancharan Gunasakaran Leaden mood, a sea of white gulls lifts the sky. Claire Ninham Spring sky Cleaning the brushes from black ink. Malgozata Formanowska. Ice storm. The black cat's feet never touch the ground. Joshua Sinclair. Blackened snow. His bedroom walls full of rainbows. Jonathan Roman. Fresh snow. The mink's tracks end at a ring of black water. Sally Bigger. Black-capped chickadee. D, D, D. Nicole Tilde. Black cherry dewdrop full of sky. Craig Kittner. Phone screen. A winter fly turns back to black. Anne Smith. Sumei workshop. Black is not always just black. Anna Maria Domberg, San Cristoforo. Pink-edged clouds. The last crow shepherds the others home. Mike Gallagher. Tangled gossip under a pink moon spider lilies bloom. Anna Yin. A pink Easter egg exposed. Winter garden. Laurie Becherer. The sad girl wearing pink. Wet hair. Erin Castaldi. First date, the lingering scent of pink lilacs. Debbie Olson. Mastectomy, one after another, the pink roses dry. Milan Rajkumar. In a paper bag, her flower sprouts, pink hyacinth. Soretta Martin. Kaleidoscope, triple rainbow, all the way. Richard Bailey. Drive through car wash, drifting rainbow foam. Alison Douglas Turner. And here comes Brown. I was very surprised at just how expressive it can be, and not always in the downbeat, yucky way I was expecting. Iris Garden. The chocolate brown's his favourite. E.L. Blizzard. Brown birds. Here comes what's-his-name. Ken Slaughter.
As if no big deal, our kids call us brown parents. Vandana Parashar Little brown bird hops onto my patio, alone no longer. Eavonka Ettinger At breakfast, burnt brown toast, Aunt Ethel's hair. Joan Fingen His gift jettisoned, wooden jewel box brown in backyard. Ratamani Sama Brown leaves fluttering among the sparrows. Alison Whipple All night snow, the sheer whiteness of silence. Of Indakul. Moving day. The flamingo faded white. P.H. Fisher. Now this next one, you really need to go to the show notes to have a look at to get the full effect. I'll do my best, but really you need to see it. Down a white wall, fire ants... Draw the line. Christopher Pays. Making my long story short. White wisteria. Alvin B. Cruz. Snowdrops so much whiter. His memories. Samo Kreutz. White sky, seagulls float on airwaves, frosty morning. Catherine E. Winnick Crayons shavings on the white canvas, my kaleidoscope. Lakshmi Iyer Waterfall, white noise enters my tent. Carol Judkins Forest awash in shades of white, stretching out the moon. Douglas J. Lanzo An arc of white flowers, yucca after rain. Christine Wink Harrison White bluebells, blue bluebells. What was the question? Mark Gilbert Today we'll finish with Matt Snyder's choice. I always have to be very careful how I say Matt's surname because I always want to do it the German way. So Matt, Matt's an old hand here on the podcast and it's lovely to have you back. It's so good to be back. Thank you for having me. Matt, if I remember rightly, you started life in Indiana and last time you were on the podcast, you'd made it across to Washington, D.C. Is that still the case? Not the case. Um, <sighs> we moved a few months ago, actually, to a small town called Hillsboro in North Carolina. So it's near okay. the Research Triangles on the Eno River. Very uh, artistic and active little town. But I believe North Carolina is, as a creative place, it is um, quite a cool place to be. Absolutely, land of the pines. One thing that's very delightful. There's. Um, Along the river, we have the river walk. It's a wonderful place to go for no surprise, a walk, but um, it is part of the mountain to sea trail network. Uh, you can walk out to the river walk and turn right and walk to the mountains or turn left and walk to the ocean. I, both are several hundred miles away, but it is an incredible trail network to have access to. I have to do a road trip. That's just <laughs> the long and the short of it. I have to come over and see it. I'll bring my bike. Maybe that will work too. Perfect. Matt. Tell me, what poem have you chosen and why? Okay. Crescent moon, her white nightdress filling the missing part. Crescent moon, her white nightdress filling the missing part. Poems by Christina Povero. And part of what drew me to her poem was the sense of mystery 
and the many possible interpretations, certainly the moon lends itself to that. I read and reread her poem, and it was a real journey of discovery, and I'll be happy to hear other interpretations as well. So you have the moon, uh, and then in the second line, I'm struck by the intimacy in the poem. Um, I saw her white nightdress through the narrator's eyes, um, an intimate partner, I assumed, and in the light of the moon, it became very soft and intimate for me. Um, and then I come to the third line and the mystery of filling the missing part. And I ask myself the obvious question, you know, what is missing? And I find myself in Christina's poem really naturally looped right around to the beginning. Um, and I start encountering all, all kinds of new things in the poem. So on the second time through, I see not the crescent of the moon, but what's on the inside. Uh, and then I come to the middle line, and I think here there's a, there's a really neat visual connection between the roundness of the moon and the part that's missing and the white nightdress, which I saw on her belly. Um, and so as seen through that soft, intimate gaze, I took away that she was pregnant. And the narrator is sitting there just kind of reveling in the significance of that for their life. Um, and all of that is painted. It's, it's a soft white of the moon and the nightdress is kind of hopeful and innocent in its whiteness. So for me, that just kind of helped tie it all together and made it more intimate and more mysterious. And there's just what's going to come next. It's um, so hopeful. Okay, Matt, I think I told you I was very interested to hear your take on this poem. I wondered, are you a glass half full person? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I think I'm the other way around. Because when I, when I read this one, I found it a really sad poem. For me, the crescent moon, the waning moon, I think you said uh, the moon is darker as it wanes. And that set the tone of the poem for me. And in my head, she and her partner, because I agree with you, it's a, a very intimate poem. They're in a room together and the worst thing has happened. And we're seeing the aftermath of a miscarriage. And when I read it, I, I felt like she was feeling really hollowed out as she might be in, in, in those sort of circumstances. And it might feel like her womb has been scooped out and her white nightdress is filling that space because nothing else can. And I agree that white adds to the poem, even in my version. So you've got a white, ghostly, sort of virginal story in my head. And yeah, white really works for it. And I think in this poem, just like in uh, Kim's and Kristen's poem, we see an important part that our reader plays in the poem. You've got your version, which I have to say, I much, I much prefer to mine. I've got my sad version. So shall we open it up to the, to the our other two judges and say, what were you thinking when you read this one? Which, which side, or do you have a different story? Karen, do you want to go first? Yes, I've got a slightly different take on it, and it's okay. the sad take. Okay. Um, I thought of the curve under the white nightdress, that perhaps she'd had a mastectomy, that her breast was removed, and where oh. the curve of her breast had been there under the dim light her partner long-time lover could see that that there was no no longer that curve there anymore oh goodness okay so we've got two <laughs> <Is that deep? laughs> two, two sad <laughs> versions please diana please tell me you've got something happy to say <laughs> well i'm just intrigued because i don't think i read all of that into it i think i just had a very much more literal take of sometimes how you look at things, your eye, you know, completes mm -hmm. the pieces that are missing or that play between, you know, close perspective and far um, and just, you know, kind of the continued luminescence or sort of, you know, ghostliness of, of a white, very translucent white nightdress, you know, and a, mm -hmm. a very far away translucent crescent moon. So I'm really intrigued to hear all of these pieces of kind of loss and pregnancy and plentifulness mm. and grief kind of coming into it that's yeah. really interesting that's the joy of talking to people about it isn't it really if, if joy's the right word i think matt will stick with your version because it's so much more hopeful than karen and i so thank you very much to the three of you to, to diana to karen and to matt for coming along today and giving us your time and your brain power 
and giving us your analyses of the three poems. So I'm going to turn off the recording now and the four of us are going to have a chat and possibly a fight about who wins <laughs> the judge's choice and the honourable mentions. Thank you very much. So there we have it. I really, really enjoyed colour. And judging by the quality of the work, most of you did too. With a few exceptions, I know. But either way, the challenge was met with great aplomb. Next time on the Haiku P podcast, we'll be joined by Debbie Kologi for a simply super sci-fi presentation. Until then, you've lots to do. Get writing your Kerouac submissions. You can write them in a contemporary style. But why not have a go at writing as Jack would have done? With his punctuation and his capitalisation. If you need help, don't forget, there are show notes on episode S5E5. Stanford did a grand job for us. Do go and soak it all up. You do have a few days to get your Highborn tours for consideration for the journal. Don't forget, Kristen Lindquist will be giving a reading of It Always Comes Back in a new podcast on the 25th of March. You'll find it on the website. Do come along and have a listen. It was great fun. And finally, do you think you could go to Apple, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast and give us a rating? I'd love to know what you think. And other people will too. Thank you all very much for coming along and listening, for taking part, for being community judges, for volunteering for other things. And do keep writing. Don't forget, there's lots in the show notes for you to have a look at. If I've forgotten anything, which is more than possible, let's face it, email me and I'll sort it out. Ciao!